Are dents and scratches putting a dent in your day? Introducing Rogerstein Crash Repairs Adelaide, your trusted solution for automotive woes. With over two decades of expertise, Rogerstein Crash Repairs guarantees top-notch service, restoring your vehicle to its former glory in no time. From minor dings to major collisions, our skilled technicians handle it all with precision and care using state-of-the-art equipment and techniques. Rogerstein Crash Repairs saved my car. It looks brand new. Fast, friendly and reliable. I wouldn't trust anyone else with my vehicle. Don't let accidents slow you down. Visit Rogerstein Crash Repairs Adelaide at 14 Penner Avenue, Glind for quality service you can count on. And here's a special offer just for our listeners. Mention this podcast and receive a $100 discount on your repair. Roger Steen Crash Repairs Adelaide. Excellence in every repair. Flashbacks. Local legends. Well, folks, there's a lot of things happening in the golf world, so we thought it was uh, appropriate to get on a golfing guru, and uh, he can explain what's exactly happening out there and his own career, etc. in golf. Welcome aboard, Craig. Thanks, Malcolm. Nice to be on board. So, yeah, give us a brief uh, resume of your illustrious uh, career, etc. involvement in the golfing world, mate. Okay. Uh, yeah, uh, my playing career, the irony is... Uh, sort of 30 years on, I was probably best at about 18 years old. Um, played a lot of state golf, represented the state and captain the state quite a few times. I won an Australian championship, um, but coming out of school, uh, I had to make the decision whether I went down the pro path or go to uni. And probably the kicker for me is there was guys that were better players than me who had taken the step, but I could see they were struggling. So I made the decision you know, 30 years later, I'd probably regret some of it, but um, decided to go down the uh, university path. So still played golf at a high level, amateur career, probably a lot of pennant golf and uh, played in successful Grange Golf Club, uh, Simpson Cup teams, won five Simpson Cups, uh, probably finished my actual playing career at that level around 2000, but I've always been active in golf and um um, recent years rekindled the golf and by getting involved with professional caddying, um, doing it in and out of corporate life. But um, yeah, it was in the US in 2020, about to embark on a LPGA caddying experience um, when COVID hit. So kind of that put an end to that. But I've always been highly active in sports right from a young age. And golf, uh, yeah, has always been the passion, but certainly footy and cricket and tinglywinks, anything, really sport, I'll watch yep. it. Yep, likewise. What What was your favourite course here in Adelaide before you embarked on uh, over in the US? <laughs> Actually, yeah, well, my home club's Grange, but uh, I think personally the best golf course in Adelaide's always been Royal Adelaide. Um, you really you got the top five, no, nothing comes close to them. Um, Royal Adelaide, Grange, 
both. Uh, Kionga and Glenelg. Personally, I probably would rank them RA, Kui, Grange West, Glenelg, Grange East. But, you know, opinions are like noses. Yep. Everyone's got one. Yep, exactly. <laughs> Good call. And what about in the US? Uh, obviously, you got a chance to, uh, to to have a round on a couple of their courses over there? Well, yeah. So uh, originally when I went over there, I was, it was in Phoenix. And um, the first event, I actually caught up and stayed with Nigel Spence, who's a very well-known Australian golfer. He's now nicely set up as a director of golf at the most exclusive country club in Arizona. But I stayed with him for 10 days. Things changed very, very quickly. That was literally when COVID broke. So when the caddying got cancelled, was able to play Phil Mickelson's home course and a couple others, Desert Forest and... Uh, had had a look around Desert Mountain. I mean, Phoenix is just is like the mecca of golf in the US. It's, it's totally different with the uh, desert golf, but brutal. You hit the golf ball five metres offline and it's reload because you're not going into the cactus to find it. But, um, yeah, it's a pretty unique <laughs> experience, but amazing. It was, got to do a few things that weren't planned, like horse riding in the desert and that type of thing. So it was, it was brilliant. How about... Um... For me, the home of golf, as a, as a person who isn't a golf fanatic, but the golf tournament that no way and I will miss any year is Augusta. How about, uh, have you had anything to do with Augusta, mate? No, I haven't been fortunate enough to get to Augusta yet, but uh, certainly know plenty who have, and they, they say, yeah, it's a bucket list, you have to yeah. go. Uh, I have been to St Andrews, uh, but that we're talking 20 years ago now. I didn't get to play uh, I was actually there on my honeymoon, of all things, and um, <laughs> uh, had to make sure two things. Went to Liverpool and saw, Am- uh, sorry, Anfield and saw Liverpool play, yep. but also St Andrews. Played the Himalayas putt-putt, that was about it, but uh, got the photo of the road hole bunker and whatnot. But, yeah, Augusta, definitely one day. Yep. Uh, whether I'm caddying there, that would be the ultimate goal. But, uh, yeah, even if, it's, even if it's a spectator on a practice day just to be there, uh, everyone says the same thing. It's It's... A lot hillier than it looks on TV, but so so is any golf course. So, uh, are there any other golf courses around the world that you desperately want to get to? Uh, well, Pebble Beach would definitely be a good one. I mean, gee, the US Women's Open is being held there July six to nine, and um, it's kind of known amongst the Australian girls that I'm available. If the phone were to ring, I'd probably hop on a plane to get there, but. Timeline now, it's getting a bit too close, but so it's probably unlikely. But um, yeah, Pebble Beach definitely. I mean, all the famous ones. I'd, I'd really love to go to Scotland and and just play the the British Open rotation courses. Uh, had a look at had a look at a couple, but never actually played them. So um, it's like anything. There's there's great golf courses everywhere in the world, and especially more and more being built in some pretty unique places, like Kangaroo Islands coming up. So yeah. yeah. That's a brilliant project. Um, obviously, I know Wade Ormsby's heavily involved with that, but the guys who designed that, you know, they've already proven themselves with King Island golf courses. So that will be a, that'll attract a totally different tourist to South Australia. Um, also, also turns you did have a few big names lined up for caddying. You're a bit unlucky there, mate. Oh, uh, yeah, it's. Caddying is a real fickle thing. It's you know it's opportunity and and um, you know <laughs> there's no uh, no guarantees. It's not like you sign a three year contract yeah. like AFL. Um, you could be caddying for doesn't matter who it is, but you could be caddying for them and all of a sudden 
you have a falling out over something minor and it's very much a verbal agreement that you could be <laughs> get the uh, don't come Monday, but that could happen on a Wednesday. So, uh, um, and vice versa, like, you know, there's players around the traps that know that I'm back interested in doing some, but um, probably realistically, I won't do any now until the Australian summer starts. So I'll probably look to do Australian Open and Australian PGA. Um, who that's for, that's, you know, in the next few months, I'll uh, let those that I know are already got um, gigs maybe coming back from the US. Um, yep. Reading your acquaintance with some guys I used to play against, that would be pretty cool, um, who uh, have made their millions and still continue to play on the US PGA Tour and lining up to play Champions Tour, which uh, kind of gives away the age group now. So. <laughs> <laughs> did did the pandemic uh, rekindle your, you know, your, your drive for wanting to be a caddy? Uh, oh, it's it's interesting. I mean, I I came back from from the US and I'd I'd really was driven. I'd been in the corporate world, and I, there was an un, there was an unscratched itch, I guess, from when I was a teenager that I really wanted to went to uni really to set up my own business and maybe get into golf, uh, managing either a club or a facility or player management whatsoever. Um, when I kind of got back in that world and got accepted, um, it's very clicky. They, uh, they they weed out people very quickly um, and got accepted by some of Australia's up-and-coming players. That kind of reassured me that okay, maybe there's something in this. So COVID put a dampener on that and then I've, I've suppose I've spent the last couple of years doing a reset, um, went into the corporate world and realised, you know what, I think I need to go back to where I was four years ago or three years ago. So, um, yeah, I'm sort of pursuing that and yep. um, seeing where it takes me. Okay, where for the layman per, at the moment it's, is Live Golf and the golfing world situated? Because it seems to be pretty hard to follow what's actually happening and some say it's continuing, some say it's finishing. It's Yeah, so give us your uh, your view there, mate. I'm sure you've got far more knowledge on that. than Yeah, sure. Uh, well, as I've said on some other radio interviews, local radio and even nationally, um, it's an interesting time for golf. Uh, it'll make a good movie one day because uh, you couldn't exactly say golf is well in the news, you know, compared to AFL or yeah. yep. Formula One or EPL, NBA, etc. But currently, like it's up, it's changing daily. Um, from the announcement where um, the live backers for the Saudi Saudi Arabians. Um, who have injected all the money. Um, basically, it is a takeover from Live Golf to the PGA Tour, but it's quite complicated. Yep. For someone who doesn't understand golf, the best way to describe it is uh, the Live have come in with a uh, uh, an offer that's too good to refuse. Um, I mean, the Saudi Arabian or the, the, the fund have actually got a war chest of 650 billion US dollars, which is just crazy. Yeah, I mean, get put you through in, the week, yep. Put in perspective, like our Australia's richest person is currently valued about thirty billion US. So yeah, he's got a. Um, I actually use the analogy. If you look at Formula One, they injected money about four years ago to Formula One, um, and you notice obviously initially there's, there's Grand Prix in Saudi Arabia, Qatar, Dubai. Uh, four years ago there were no Grand Prix in the US. Now there's four. So their their aim, and I mean I'll stay out of the politics and religion, yep. but um, from a sporting point of view, the injection of money has only made Formula One better. All of a sudden, you know, you've got a captive audience of, what is it in the US now, 300 
million plus. Um, they've seen the opportunity with golf to do the same thing. So effectively moving forward, there'll be a world tour. Um, PGA will run the day-to-day -day operations, but basically the Saudi Arabians are funding it. So okay. whilst you, currently you've got PGA Tour, the European Tour, Asian Tour, live, the way I see it going forward will be, uh, it'll be basically, live will probably get renamed. Um, it'll probably all fall under the PGA banner, but there'll probably be three or four events across the world on any given week. So um, the PGA event will be, you know, the main one. But if there's a live event, you'll see guys like Rory McIlroy. Now, I quite openly say it's only my opinion, but I believe Rory will play in Adelaide in February next year. Okay. Well, that'd be a big get. That would be a huge get. It, Massive. It, and is... the other the other one that I dropped was, uh, and this is not public knowledge yet, but you can break it on the podcast first. You've heard it first. Is there will be a second event in Queensland next year? Um, dates are still not finalised, but it'll be at Sanctuary Cove, which will allow Adam Scott to basically play with Cameron Smith because that's his home home oh, course. course. Yep. And yeah, that that's pretty well locked away. Um, not public knowledge yet, but it's it's it'll it'll come out in due course. So the live golf seems to have attracted a younger audience and a more party sort of atmosphere. Yeah, definitely. I, I mean, there's the best analogy for golf will be is cricket. You look at Test cricket, and well, I mean that last Test match was brilliant, um, and you know reinv reinvigorate the the sport. But you know, Test cricket in 2020. I mean, you know, you were not taking your kids to a Test match. It's for the tr traditionalists, and golf's probably a bit the same. You know, four day events. They're not Groundhog Day, but they're exciting. If you want to go and watch a certain player or, you know, be yep. there for the atmosphere, it'll attract, you know, the, the, the golfer. What Live Golf did here in Adelaide is it attracted the non-golfer, the guys that flew into Adelaide with their mates, and there's probably some mates back in Sydney or Melbourne that goes, oh, no, I don't want to go. And then all of a sudden now they, they're regretting the yeah. fact they weren't here. A bit like um, a gather around. Yeah, exactly right. I was, I was listening to a lot of... I didn't do any volunteering or anything that week. I was there as Joe Public myself, and it was deliberate because I just wanted to soak up the atmosphere and get an idea of what Live was all about. Two things I noticed, and I knew some other players and caddies, um, the players were so relaxed. They um, they were engaging with the, with the, with the crowd, and they're obviously they're, they're trying to build a profile for the Live. Um, but it was, a, it was not a party atmosphere. Yeah, there's a bit of background music, and, okay, there was the party hole, which... You know, there's aspects of that. Even I go, yeah, okay, don't agree with that. Yep. You know, volunteers getting hit in the head by beer cans and all that. That's not yes, on. Over the top. Um, and that won't happen. That won't happen next year, I guarantee you. Um, but you know, the actual event. I'll give you a prime example. My girlfriend never been to golf. Wasn't interested. After two days, she's like, "Oh, you sound like you're having a lot of fun. Can you get me a ticket?" I'm like, "Of course I can." So she came along for three hours. And has already said to me she wants to go to three days next year. So um, she just loved it. She goes, "Oh my god, it's totally different to how I pictured it." You know, it's yeah, a bit it's like interesting perspective, isn't it? Yeah, it's a bit like a bit like lawn bowls. Everyone thought lawn bowls is for old people, <laughs> but when you pl when you actually play it yourself, you go, "Hang on, this is a really good game." <laughs> Pete's pretty pumped up for that mention because Pete's the big lawn bowl. He's the lawn am, bowl mate. man, mate. Yeah, so, yeah. Absolutely well, there agree you go. with I mean, you. Agree with you there. Yeah, well, everyone thinks lawn bowls is for you know the plus 60s, but when you actually do it, you look at the success of night hours now. Like, yeah. uh, golf's no different. Like, 
you know, golf, golf is addictive. doesn't matter if you're a hacker, never played it before. You hit that one shot and you flush it, you go, oh, hang on, I want to do that again. <laughs> and it uh, doesn't matter if you've played 30 years like me. Um, it's the most frustrating game sport in the world. But uh, even on a bad day, all of a sudden, you you know, who knows, you might have a hole in one. I'll let, I'll let you on a little story. I'm a bit of a keen golfer myself, and um, my yeah, grand right. my grandparents played quite a bit and uh, had putt putt out in their backyard. And uh, one day, uh, a mate of mine said, "Come on, let's go down to the par three and we'll, we'll have a go." Happened to be a public holiday, and we get up to the first hole, and there's probably a lineup of about ten or twelve people waiting to have their shot. People are duffing them and. And clubbing them and absolutely nailing it, and uh, and my mate looks at me and goes, oh, "I don't know whether we can do this." And he goes, "You go first. No, I said, "You go, you go first. I don't want to make a mistake." In the end, I did go first. Sure enough, I hit the pin on the first uh, first hole from about 120 meters away, and ever since then, I've been hooked. So I, I totally get it. Yeah, well, and actually, the the hardest shot in golf is the first shot of any round. It doesn't matter who you ask, even. Even you ask one of the pros, they tee it up in a in a pro event, and and the the old heart rate's going, and they've they've got the little shakes going, and mm. it's like, oh, okay, breathe out. I haven't I haven't sniped it and killed anyone and all that type of thing. So, uh, well, when I nailed it, <laughs> yeah, I, I looked it around. Everyone, I looked around at my mate, and he's just hand in head, going, "Oh my god, you made me look like an idiot," uh, because we hadn't done it before, and uh, he ended up getting his about sixty or seventy meters straight down the middle, and I think he was quite happy in the end. Well, there's an old saying in golf is every shot pleases someone. Yep. Uh, so if your mate hits a bad shot, that's pleased you. And if you hit a good shot, it pleased you as well. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> every shot pleases someone. So just getting back to the live golf, uh, would you liken it to a little bit like what tennis went through and also World Series cricket went through when obviously there was a bit more money involved and, and a little bit of a different structure to it? Yeah, definitely. I, I think uh, not so much tennis. I think they they – they tried it and failed, but uh, cricket definitely. I've uh, had likened it to the Kerry Packer scenario. Now the the issues around golf are totally different to cricket. I mean, money certainly wasn't the issue. Um, the the reality of the PGA Tour is the demographic that's attracting was the fifty pluses. Um, the live guys have really identified. Okay, that's all well and good, but now you know post the Tiger era. Um, golf is in a fantastic place. I mean, there will always be superstars coming along, like, um, you know, my prediction, Minwoo Lee, he's Australia's next superstar. Um, when I was there when he won his first event three years ago, caddying, um, and now, like, he just had a great result. I'd, I would be backing him for the British Open coming up. He's, that's his, his style of game, pure ball striker. Um, he's the best ball striker I've actually caddied in a group with, like, just the noise of his... Uh, driving iron is unbelievable, as a, and you would appreciate, Peter, that uh, you know we hit the ball and it goes clunk. Yep. When he get, when he hits it, it goes. <laughs> it's just a pure noise. Um, so yeah, so I mean the live guys are really really trying to attract the younger audience. Now that it's coming together, what will happen? And it's just come out today, or they've just released. They're going to have a relegation system in live. So the top 24 players are guaranteed a uh, start next year. But from 25 to 48, um, there's going to be criteria. So certainly the bottom five players will be relega- relegated. But in between 25 to um, 43, they could be replaced. So that's going to mean the fields are going to be strengthened now that there's no ramifications for, say, 
if Adam Scott were to play in Queensland previously, he might have got a suspension or a fine. Now he'll be free to get, come and go. So he might only play one or two events per year, but um, being that he's a PGA loyalist, but um, particularly that Sanctuary Co event, I, I would put my house on, on it that he plays. And with the, uh, obviously, the ramifications, as you just mentioned there, you know, how does that factor in when players are trying to plan their year as far as, well, I can play in this event, but I'm not allowed to play in that event? How, what's the feeling around the golf scene that, that you know, that the PGA were sort of, in, a, in effect, uh, restraining of trade or restraining of players to play in yeah. those tournaments? Well, the biggest, the biggest uh, the restriction or the penalty effectively for the best players in the world was that the live golf events weren't counting for um, world ranking points. So, you know, you guys like Phil Mickelson, Brooks Kepka, DJ, they were all ranked in the top, or maybe not Mickelson, but certainly DJ and Brooks were in the top 10 in the world. All of a sudden they're playing live events. So all their ranking points from previous years drop out and they're all of a sudden ranked, you know, 150, 170 and declining. Um, that's had ramifications. So guys, it's only literally this morning, like Lee Westwood will miss his first open for 29 years. He's played 29 years yeah. consecutively. Now he, he won't play this year. Um, Sergio Garcia, who should be a walk-up start, is having to go through pre-qualifying. Like, so uh, the powers to be have got a lot of work to do and it'll probably all come out later in the year, but world rankings is the biggest one. How do they juggle the different events? So yeah. the way I see it working is, the PGA Tour events will be like for the elite. Then there might be another PGA event, which whatever they call it, let's say Category A is called the World Tour, for argument's sake. Then there might be the PGA event, which is more for the guys that are you know ranked between 70 and 200. Um, then there could well at the same time be another event over in Europe, and certainly there'll be an event in Asia. So Asia, the Asian Tour will be the, a feeder tour for the live um, the live tour, but but that's all probably going to get renamed. So it's it's an interesting time ahead. It's changing daily. Um, my personal opinion, it's fantastic for the sport. Um, it gives long term investment, and it will certainly attract you know anything from 10, 10 year olds to thirty year olds who may or may not have played golf before. That'll it'll attract them towards the sport. And huge news uh, in golf today, mate. Well, and that that kind of yeah. So the Presidents Cup's coming back to Australia in 2028 at Kingston Heath. Now that to you know just a sports lover might not sound like much, but that just gives more reinforcement to everything I just said. That means okay, the Presidents Cup is still on the agenda. The Ryder Cup will be on the agenda. The players will be it'll be the strongest teams from those regions. So you know Ryder Cup this year will be diminished, unfortunately, despite you know the live guys, particularly Europe. Um, you know, they've come out and said they probably won't consider your Garcias and and Stensons and those guys who, you know, whether they're walk-up starts or not, they've had a lot of, or, and Ian Poulter, you know, Mr. Ryder Cup himself, the postman. Uh, the Americans have come out, you know, Brooks would have to get a start in DJ, but they're a bit more inclined to have them. But, you know, Australia will have the best players in the world coming here, which I know I certainly have been over to Royal Melbourne when I was 2011. Um, the only time I've physically seen Tiger play golf, um, and you know that was a pretty cool experience. Had to go about three or four holes ahead of him to, to see him, but 
you know, you got be like I'm looking at him right now in my my office, Michael Jordan, seeing him live, or I can say yes, Tiger Woods was within six feet feet of me, and I went full fan child. <laughs> oh, the word is he said he saw Craig Martin, mate. That's the word. Wow, well, he goes, who's that? Who's that Smithers bloke? From yeah, Adelaide, exactly. Isn't he? <laughs> that bloody port supporter. He wanted to shoot. Yeah, fair enough to. Um, <laughs> anything else to add, add, add uh, Craig? Oh, I just think, I mean, it's a great time first for golf. I mean, to any, any of your listeners out there that uh, have an interest in sport, just, just get on the socials and start following PJ Tour Live Golf. Um, but also, I mean, coming into the Australian summer, um, there's going to be a fantastic buzz around the Australian Open and PJ because now um, you'll probably find that we will get not just Cam Smith coming back to defend, there'll be... Um, you know, the who's who of Australian golf and maybe a couple of big big internationals will make the time to come down because um, I can see the Australian Open and the PJ in the future being part of this world tour. Are we seeing, obviously, the the uh, excitement, I suppose, around Liv and, and PGA and obviously all the publicity, are we seeing it at the coalface at club level? Well, COVID had a big, big say in that. Uh, golf... Golf memberships have gone through the roof because golf was one of the few uh, activities which met the criteria you could still exercise. Um, there were obviously restrictions about what you could do with uh, flag sticks and everything else. But uh, apart from the lockdown periods in here in Adelaide, we were able to play golf pretty much the whole way through. Um, and particularly interstate, I was just talking to someone in Queensland uh, he owns a, a resort up there, and they were doing about 24,000 rounds per year. And said currently they're doing about 37,000. So it's been a massive increase in popularity. Uh, even when you could do it, be a walk-up start to play somewhere like the Glades or um, uh, not so much Sanctuary Cove because they've gone really private. But uh, now, you, yeah, you've got to book well in advance because uh, I've just recently tried to book some stuff for some footballers and... Uh, Try to get on. I was like, oh, okay. Uh, yeah, you can play at two thirty, or you can play at three uh, thirty. And I was like, wow, okay. So the popular is booming. Um, you know, the women in sport. Um, there's a lot more girls getting involved. That um, junior junior golf is really booming. Um, I know ones that I've previously been involved with, but I'm no longer involved officially at Grange. Um, that their junior clinics are basically booking out, so kids are getting involved. And that's probably a spin-off they might have been to live golf with their mum and dad. And, uh, oh, I want to have a go. So they're making it fun. So it's change, changing the mould of the way golf is perceived in in the global environment. And Malcolm mentioned that you're a footy supporter, a port supporter. Uh, oh, take yeah, us through yeah. some of your – I'm sure you catch up with a few of the players every now and then. Take us through some of those oh, exploits. You might be able to reveal a story from uh, about a prominent port player from the past, actually. Yeah, well, actually, I've been at Port Training today, just taking my notes for some local identities, but also a Facebook group. But um, so nothing major to report from today. It was all stock standard. But, uh, yeah, so 10 years ago, there's a famous Travis Spoke story. Now, um, some people listening to this might go, yeah, yeah, whatever. But uh, you can get some of the people involved in this story that uh, will verify it. But um, 10 years ago, there's obviously a bit of speculation about Bokey going home and Port, Port were going through a period of hurt um, and obviously don't need to go into that but we all know the reasons behind it uh, but I just happened to be 
going to a conference in Queensland on a Sunday morning. Now, Port Adelaide had played Friday night from memory and Crows had played away in um, Melbourne, I presume. Um, my flight to the Gold Coast got cancelled and I got uh, got transferred to Melbourne. So I arrive in Melbourne Airport, minding my own business. I've got about 15 minutes before my connecting flight. As I'm standing there across the loudspeaker, it was, would the following passengers please make their way to, let's say, gate number 12. Mr. Selwood, Mr. Johnson, Mr. Bartell and Mr. Scott. And I'm thinking, well, those names are familiar. Yeah. And sure enough, running past me go the four guys I just mentioned, all wearing civvies. On a, and I looked up and I go, oh, where are they going? Oh, it's a flight to Adelaide. Now, uh, at the time, I was not prominent, but I'd, I would text the radio stations with Michelangelo and Cornsey and Rowie back then. And um, I'm thinking, well, no, there must be underage championships on. So I quickly looked it all up. No, there's nothing on. And I was like, well, why would they be going to Adelaide on Sunday morning? So anyway, long story short, I put two and two together. I was like, hang on. Maybe they go and see Bokey. Nah, couldn't be that. So uh, looked at the time, and it just so happened it was 11.30 back in Adelaide, which Michelangelo Rucci was doing the Sunday roast at the time, and um, I flicked him a text message. I said, don't know if there's anything in this, but these four guys just on their way, on a flight right now to um, Adelaide, are they coming to see Bokey? You know, and that was it. I then hopped on a plane to the Gold Coast, thinking, oh, I wonder what's gone on there. Uh, by the time I got on off the plane on the Gold Coast, Michelangelo had actually uh, gone to air with it and just so happened that good old Tommy Wren and the cameraman who I I knew, but unfortunately he's had some uh, me medical issues um, since that time, but uh, they just happened to be in the Channel 9 newsroom and my mate, the cameraman, heard it. Tommy was the the young uh, reporter at the time on a hunch. How about we go down to Adelaide Airport? So they've rocked up unannounced TV TV crew and basically um, caught the boys arriving at the airport and they <laughs> they were uh, more than surprised. But anyway, it was later proven that yes, they were there to see Travis Boke. So um, and obviously that story went national very quickly. So. It was quite interesting, and uh, and uh, yeah, I, I keep reminding Tommy I, I made his career. So sure enough, so. <laughs> you've done well. Who you know, not what you know. Yeah, so I mean, it's one of those things. I just yeah, it was, that one was a hunch. I mean, uh, and well, I was right. Ah, well played. And you'd be pretty happy with Port Adelaide at the moment? No, no, we won't worry oh, about Oh, okay. That. We haven't yeah, got no, enough time? No, okay, no, sorry, mate. Time. I'm pretty – actually, well, just on that, I'm pretty happy that Travis is still around. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, yeah. And uh, he still will play for another at least another two years. But, uh, yes, Port are going very well. All right. No, no, you're definitely in with a chance, as much as I hate to say it, and I reckon Butters is the best player in the game at the moment. So, Craig, uh, greatly appreciated coming on, and I'm sure we will – touch base and keep in contact with what's happening in the golfing world. Yeah, any time, Malcolm, if you're yeah, leading into a major event or if any any news comes up, you know where to find me. Absolutely. We'll give you a call straight away. Greatly appreciate it, mate. Cheers, guys. Thanks, mate.